Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly. Get ready for the latest episode of the Starimcast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast. And welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin. I am joined, as ever, by the man who is going to meet Mercedes Monet. It's Matt Turner. Matt Turner, are you excited as we sit on the eve of you going to New York Comic Con? Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. Yes, uh, as we're recording, this is on Wednesday. I leave around, uh, I told Andy Header to be at my house at 7 o'clock which means he'll probably pop up around 7.30, quarter to 8. At least he's consistent. So, yes, so I'll be leaving for New York Comic Con Thursday morning. If any of our fantastic listeners, the friends and family of the Stardom cast are going to any of the days at New York Comic Con, uh, hit me up. We will meet up somewhere. And if you are of age, you know the deal, folks. I will buy you an adult beverage. If you're not of age, we'll share a juice or a uh, a Yoo-Hoo or whatever non-alcoholic beverage that you like. But yes, I'll be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So like I said, if anybody is going, you know, hit me up and we'll meet up somewhere and keep an eye posted on my social media because you always see the craziest cosplays, the best cosplays, excuse me, at New York Comic Con. Um, last year, a buddy of mine, a friend of mine, Carol, she went as Tony Storm. And then she said uh, next year, meaning this year, she was going to go as Bull Nakano. Now, Rob, I have not talked to her in a few a few months, to be honest with you. So I'm not sure if she's still going as Bull Nakano, but if you do see me with the picture of one Bull Nakano, that is uh, her cosplay. So, uh, yeah, it should be exciting and intriguing. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Yes, and I will be meeting one Mercedes Monet. And, yes, of course, I will be pitching her to get her on the Stardom Cast podcast because, like I always say, brother, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Absolutely. It's a mantra that I've adopted from you. Um, which uh, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for. But what I do thoroughly appreciate is that both your tag partners, Andy Hedder, your tag partner as part of Blue and Gold, and me, your tag partner on the Stardom cast, we have that one similarity in that we are both always late. So uh, I don't know what it is about you and uh, you picking people that just have terrible timekeeping, but, you know, what can we say? We're the best people. Absolutely. My daughter's worse than the two of you. She's always, oh, literally to the point 
where it's like if we need to leave at one o'clock, we tell it to be ready by twelve thirty. So uh, that's just that's just how it goes, my friend. You have to know the team that you have. You have to play the hand that you're dealt, and uh, that's a okay because you guys are all fantastic. You, Andy, and my daughter are all phenomenal people. One of the reasons why I'm so goddamn positive all the time, brother. Well, I mean, there are there are worse things in the world, aren't there? It does make me <laughs> laugh that you've said that about. Um about your daughter because i i get that all the time both me and kirsty are terrible timekeepers um which i have an excuse for um i think i've just i've sort of spread it onto kirsty um but my parents if we ever go out for a meal or um you know we were waiting for the taxi in croatia they will deliberately tell me half an hour beforehand and then tell my brother the actual time because my brother will turn up on time. Um, uh, but he will always, he will still always get there before me, despite the fact that I have been told half an hour earlier. It is a running joke in our family how poor our timekeeping is between me and Kirsty. So uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly empathise with Lily. Um, I could completely understand that. <laughs> um, now, before we delve into the Patreon stuff, the absolute litany of news that dropped on Tuesday as a part of the Stardom and New Japan joint strategy presentation, which gave us a few nuggets of information. Um, uh, Obviously talking about um, your New York Comic Con, um, and obviously the main event of seeing both Mercedes Monet and trying to square up to Chris Evans, which we talked about on uh, on the Patreon yesterday. Um, Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Um, (laughs) Who else are you lined up to see? And have you had any confirmation as to whether Jamie Hayter is actually going to be there? I don't think she is. I don't think she's. I think her, Adam Cole, I know Adam Cole canceled because of the foot injury and he's having surgery if he hasn't had it yet, probably this week. So he's canceled. I think with Jamie Hayter, just with the shoulder injury and her trying to rehab rather than, you know, taking three or four days away from her rehab to go to do New York Comic Con. I think that's why uh, why she's out. Um, I did Google Jamie Hayter, New York Comic Con. Only web, one website still had her listed, but the actual New York Comic Con uh, website and the app, they do not have her listed at all. So I don't know if she'll be there. However, FTR will be there. And me and Andy had are definitely getting a group photo and maybe doing like a square off thing, like FTR versus Blue and Gold, something like that. So um, there's that. And I believe Jeff Johns, who basically runs DC Comics, his Green Lantern run back in the early 2000s is what got me back into comics. And I never actually met Jeff Johns, and he's going to be there select dates, select times, sometimes very much like Frank Miller. Frank Miller of uh, the Batman fame and uh, the Dark Knight Returns, uh, 1989. Frank Miller's also always at New York Comic Con. He's listed, but you never know when he's going to be there. Even if you go to the table that he's supposed to be at, he may not show up at any of those times. So that's the way Jeff Johns is. And uh, him and then Jason Aaron are basically my last two gets of uh, modern-day comic book writers slash creators that I never met before. And Jason Aaron is going to be there as well. Jason Aaron, in my opinion has written the uh, greatest Thor run of all time. Uh, basically, the last Thor movie, Love and Thunder, which I think is criminally underrated, uh, was based off Jason Aaron's run. You know, he created the Gore, the God Butcher. Um, he created uh, having uh, Jane Foster as the... Uh, we didn't create it. It was a what-if. Very much like our what-ifs, Rob. It was a what-if comic book, I think, in the 80s. What if Jane Foster uh, became Thor? And it was just a one-shot, and he actually implied it into his run and it really took off really well so those are my big gets obviously you know the mercedes thing is the number one for me 
Uh, the number one thing for me, obviously, me being a huge fan of uh, Joshi Wrestling, her being in, you know, in uh, stardom in New Japan, you know, this past year, and with her coming back relatively soon, I have a litany of questions that I would like to ask her. But sometimes, Rob, because it's my 11th year doing the con, the con circuit, sometimes you only get that one question in, which is fine. You don't want to hold up the line. And I think me and you all know what that one question I'm going to ask her is. So, uh if I only get one, it's going to be that big one, my man. Because then if that one hits, we can ask her all the questions we want, my friend. Absolutely. And if you don't ask her, when is that match with Fuki and Death going to happen? <laughs> um, what are you going to ask her then? <laughs> I I jest, of course. I jest, of okay. course. All right. Let, 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 me, let me speak it back there, my friend. You want to joke with me? I'll joke with you. I'm going to ask her. How on a scale of one to ten, how much she enjoys the new Hanan theme? So there you go, brother. <laughs> Let's uh, come on. That's 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 a hitting a little bit too close to home, Mister Turner. Um, and before we devolve into violence, um, which let's be honest, there's only going to be one winner. You've seen pictures of me. You've seen pictures of Mad. There is only one winner in that fight. Um, Fans. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Put it on YouTube. Um, what's going on on our Patreon, Mister Turner? Mr. Rob Goodwin, this past week, our alternate commentary, we've released Mayu Iwatani taking on Yoshinko from Budokan Hall, All-Star Dream Cinderella. Also, next week, our alternate commentary, we actually just did it yesterday, and I thought we did a fantastic job, sir. We released, or not released, we will be releasing Azumi defending the High Speed Championship against one Starlight Kid from the Triangle Derby Finals back from March of uh, earlier this year. And our watch along, I think we've officially announced that when we do these bonus non-stardom matches, they're not going to be alternate commentaries. They're just going to be watch alongs. Our watch along that we watched, boy, this was, and this will be released on Sunday. When, when, when are we releasing this one, buddy? Um, this is releasing Sunday morning. Okay. So the one we're releasing on Sunday morning is going to be from Dream Slam back in the early 90s. Akira Hokuto versus Shinobi Kandora. And again, folks, it is a watch-along to the point where it's literally just me and Rob, just two buddies, watching awesome wrestling matches and just taking it in and enjoying it and kind of in a relaxed setting. So relaxed setting that I uh, I have a beer during this, uh, this watch-along. And not just any beer, Rob Goodwin. The Stardom Cast Craft Brew. Blueberry, brewed with blueberries. I was getting my antioxidants in as well as uh, some crisp beverages, sir. So uh, that'll all be released in the next few days. And by the time you listen to this, um, plus or minus a day, the Sherry SWA episode where I review all 10 of her matches from the, her dominant run as the SWA champion. So, yeah, lots of good stuff on the Patreon, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to, you know, take a moment just to uh, thank everyone for their support. Um, All our patrons over at uh, patreon.com forward slash Stardomcast. Your support is absolutely incredible. Hopefully you're enjoying the content that we are pumping out for you. And uh, yeah, thank you for your uh, your support. It is is truly humbling that we have as much as one patron. So yeah, thank you again. Um, Just on the... um, on the topic of Patreon, I now have realized due to people telling me that we now have adverts in our uh, in our free feed uh, due to Red Circle putting in adverts. Um, so if for whatever reason you are sick of hearing about Frutella, um, I listened to one the other day that had uh, We Buy Any Car on it. Um, I know that Matt, what did you have? DraftKings. DraftKings. It is, it is at- 
NFL football season, so a lot of gambling going on. So I get a lot of DraftKings on my feed. There you go. If you don't want to hear these adverts, then you can subscribe to our Patreon. The lowest tier, which is the New Blood tier, it is a dollar a month, and that means you get every episode for literally 25 cents. Um, And you get them a day early, and they are 100% ad-free. So a little bit of a plug there for you as well. Um, so kicking into the news, I'm going to jump into uh, the joint presentation that Stardom and New Japan did on um, October 10th in a moment, because like I said, there was lots and lots of interesting things that they announced. However, I feel like the most important bit of news that has been released is that the Goddess of Stardom Tag League, Matt, is going to be blocks taking on each other so red goddess are gonna fight red goddess and blue goddess are gonna fight blue goddess hallelujah reason has prevailed matt all is right with the world good sir so this way it'll be a little maybe a little bit easier for us to follow because um we literally just closed one tournament season and now we're coming up with another one and uh yeah i know a lot of these teams have been bunched around and things have been uh you know mixed and matched but Man, I'm really looking forward to this tournament. There's some really, really good teams and some really, really good matchups. So, uh, yeah, it should be interesting. should be a load of fun, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, that drops, uh, that starts this tournament, the Goddess of Stardom Tag League. The opening night is on Sunday as we record the 15th of October. And I'm going to go down that card when we preview the shows at the end of this podcast. But you're absolutely right, considering, you know, in the space of a week, they lost Utami, they lost Starlight Kid, and they lost Natsupoy. Um, it's, it's not great. Um, but they've managed to do what they can. Um, there's still some intriguing matchups there, especially having changed FWC blocks and making them a part of blue block rather than red block. Um, if you go back to our previous episode, we sort of detail what changes have been made. So go and check that out. If you so wish on the point of Nat suppose she did say on an Instagram live stream that her neck injury does not require surgery, which is really good. Um, apparently it's going to just, she's going to be basically just rehabbing it as opposed to, uh, as opposed to surgery. So I think that was Dragon Moon on Twitter that translated that. So thank you to him. Um, also it has been, um, it's sort of, I think it was Sunny on Reddit, I think, or on the message board. I can't remember. Someone did tell me, um, I think it was Steve on Patreon. Um, Starlight Kid actually injured her ankle, um, at the Dream Tag Festival. So uh, whether it was just aggravated at the New Blood show, um, I don't know. But yeah, apparently that is where they've traced that injury to. No news on how long it's going to be before Starlight Kid is back, though, which is uh, which is sad and slightly disappointing. But there we are. Um, let's talk about this joint strategy presentation then, because there was lots and lots and lots to talk about um unfortunately we didn't get any news on a brand new stardom world app um which i'll be honest i didn't think was going to happen but there we are we can all dream the first thing though that was announced was stardom sales 
um, they showed a graphic that showed stardom sales from 2019 all the way through to 2023, obviously omitting 2020 because we all like to think that that year didn't exist because of COVID. Um, but just as an indication of how well stardom is doing at the moment in 2019, which was when Bushy Road purchased the company, stardom sales sat at 200 million yen, which is roughly, according to Google, 1 million 300 thousand dollars so you know not bad not bad at all you know over a million dollars turnover however that has grown exponentially uh 2021 it sat at 460 million yen 2022 it then sat at 1 billion yen and then for 2023 thus far this Thus far, obviously, we're still two months out from the end of the year. Um, it currently sits at 1.5 billion yen, which is about 10 million US dollars, which when you put it down into dollars and cents and, you know, try and summarize it, since 2019, Stardom have tenfold expanded their sales, which is pretty damn impressive, Matt Turner. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that they were able to... I mean, constantly improving sales, you know, from 2019 up until, you know, present day. And it's going to be interesting to see how they do it in 2024. Obviously, I know that they talked a little bit about their expansion, and I think that they're going to do it as well. I think just between merchandising, the, and I know they're running, you know, we kind of make, we take a little a little joke, a little jest. They, they, they do run maybe one too many pay-per-views. At the same time, every single pay-per-view, there's never been one that I was like, I did not get my money's worth. Every, every one, I'm like, I got my money's worth and more. So that definitely helps as well that they're running more shows and more pay-per-views. Obviously, the merchandising, the YouTube, you know, for what I understand, their YouTube channel has more subscribers than New Japan. So when you're, and then they're, I think they're right around 900,000. So I wouldn't be shocked in the next three or four weeks if they hit the 1 million mark. Obviously, you'll get adverts from, you know, YouTube and, and whatnot. So they're making money on YouTube. And as well as the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the service, the uh, Stardom World, it's only... It's like six dollars and twenty five cents or something like that, you know, per month, which it's just for someone that's in sales, Rob, that's the easiest sale in the world. It's like for six dollars and twenty five cents, skip star Starbucks for one day. For one day, and you even if Sardom never runs another show again, just their back catalog alone, you know, the 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 G ones, the uh, not the G ones, the uh, the five stars, the uh, All Star Grand Queendom, the All Star Dream Cinderella, you know, the uh, year end climax shows. Seeing EO back in, you know, 2016, 17, uh, 18, seeing Kyrie in 2016, 2017. It's like, how are you not spending less than $7 a month, less than $2 a week to watch the best wrestling company in the world currently? And then going back to the back catalog and you can watch Arissa, you know, Mama Watanabe's run. I can be here all day. But, uh, yeah, that definitely helps as well. So they're improving, expanding on all aspects of business which is fantastic because there's no other wrestling company in the world that is growing like that really isn't the fact that they're, you know, in the last four years, you know, you know, over a thousand percent growth. That's just incredible, you know, in dollars and cents. And one can only hope, Rob, one can only hope that they come over to the good old United States for a tour and or England over by you, brother. And I think they would absolutely smash it. I think they would absolutely crush it, especially in my part of the world where I live in, where you have hardcore, smart, smart wrestling fans, you know, the New York, New Jersey, Baltimore, Philadelphia area, where they're diehard fans. I think if Stardom were to run a show like in the ECW arena or the Hammerstein ballroom, I think they would absolutely crush it. It's funny you should mention that, actually, because um, 
they do actually talk about it at the end of this strategy meeting, but more more talking about the New Japan aspect. But we'll get to that in a moment because it sort of links into this next um, point, which is Stardom's Asia strategy. So on October 21st and 22nd, Stardom will be going to Thailand um, and they will be represented at the Bushi Road Expo. Um, then they will be represented in Singapore, at Bushi Road as at the Bushi Road Expo as well, November twenty fourth to the twenty sixth, um, and this is the first time that Stardom returns to Asia or outside of Japan. Anyway, for the first time since their twenty seventeen show in Taipei, which is really quite cool, and this sort of ties in with what Abari was saying. Um, I, I think it was Obari was saying um, at the end of the presentation where he was talking about how America and um, the UK and Japan make up the top three wrestling audiences. And it's a huge drop-off between that and the rest of Asia. And they want to sort of take the responsibility of popularizing wrestling around Asia. And that's why they've built up what I think is called the Pacific Wrestling Alliance or whatever they're doing at the moment with different companies. There's um, companies from China, uh, there's companies from uh, Thailand, from Singapore, and they've all sort of come together as this alliance. So it all seems to be pointing towards a bigger presence in wider Asia, Matt, rather than focusing on... Um, sort of a wrestling rich uh, the wrestling rich west shall we say of the uk and uh, the united states yeah it sounds like the old school old school term on that one is they're trying to uh, pop a territory brother so uh see what happens they could pop the uh, asian territory yeah i mean if that's their goal to sort of popularize wrestling in that area then obviously there's nothing wrong with that in fact it's it's an admirable strategy it's a shame that you know we're not going to see stardom in america we're not going to see stardom in the uk because like you said the reaction that they are going to get when they do eventually run shows and i do believe that they will um it's going to be incredible. The reaction that they're going to get is going to be phenomenal. I thoroughly, thoroughly do believe that. Um, number of stardom shows then. So as well as the sales going up massively, the amount of shows that stardom have run have doubled between 2018 and 2023. So in 2018, we ran 70 shows, uh, 2019, 74 2020 is the bit the outlier obviously with 52 but when so much of the year was taken out by covid that's sort of expected 2021 was 100 shows 2022 115 and then 2023 again bearing in mind that we are still two months shy at the end of the year they've already run 141 shows now this is an incredible amount of shows to run in a year however it does bring about especially at the moment when you think the injuries that stardom are suffering at the moment it does sort of beg the question is that enough or are they going to continue that exponential growth they've already said um in this meeting actually that they want to run every prefecture in japan there are 47 prefectures in japan and stardom have already run shows in 44 of them um the only 
prefectures, I believe that they have not run, is Miyazaki, Okinawa, and Oita. So they want to run all of those by 2024. Matt, what I'm asking is, especially after Julia came out and said, we'd like to shorten the five-star Grand Prix rather than it being a two-month grind, sort of try and make it a month and a half. And I think she likened it to a Netflix series um, where she says you don't start the next season before you've started the first. And I think that is an allusion to having, you know, look at Stardom X Stardom that is sat smack dab in the middle of the five-star Grand Prix for no for no real reason. Um, and I'm wondering if that is uh, if that's something that they're moving towards. Because if you compare the five-star Grand Prix and the G1 Climax, the G1 Climax, every night you've got some undercard tags and then you've got five G1 matches. And you go block, block A, block B, block A, block B. Obviously, the last couple of years we've had four blocks, but that's that's the sort of idea. So I wonder if Stardom will eventually move that way because you've had some shows where Stardom have had one five-star Grand Prix match on a card. You know, and it just seems to be stretching it out for... Obviously, they want to run more shows, which, you know, the sales speak for themselves. But obviously, they are doing it and it is it is impacting the wrestlers. You you can see that the the proof is in the, is in the pudding, so to speak. And obviously, with Starlight Kid then coming out and saying... Uh, Maybe there is some reform in uh, the five-star Grand Prix, maybe looking at four blocks, I think she said. Do you think that there is scope for change, productive change, whilst still achieving the growth that Stardom wants to achieve? Absolutely. You just have to find a happy medium. Obviously, those numbers, you know, the, the, the bottom line is it's a business, but also you want to take care of the people that are running your business, i.e. the wrestlers that the wrestlers are most your most important asset. Like I understand, you know, Rossi with the booking and people behind the scenes and Sonny's doing a great job, you know, on uh, on Stardom World and the camera work and everything like that. But the most important asset of stardom are the wrestlers, and they're the ones that are at risk the most. You know, they're constantly in the ring taking bumps, doing press tours, selling the product. Um, so you have to find that happy medium. Again, we have four big stars that are out due to injury, and it all happened either at the beginning, the middle, or the end of this fantastic five-star tournament. And, you know, I know me and you talk off-air quite a bit of how phenomenal this tournament was, how much better it would have been if, you know, only, you know, if one of them, only one, if, if none of them got injured. Um, so, but again, you, they're moving the needle in every aspect, you know, and obviously the bottom line is dollars. So you don't want to run it back. You don't want to cool it off so much that you're going to be, you'll have a negative compared to in 2024 and then 2023. But at the same time, you don't want to push the envelope so much that then, you know, then it's a Julia that's hurt or it's a Micah that's hurt or, you know, even Aya Sakurai, she's another one, even though she wasn't in the five-star rookie, uh, you know, she's been hurt, you know, the past couple months based on just the brutal schedule. So it's something that you're going to have to find a happy medium and everybody's going to get injured. You're never going to have, whether they run a hundred shows or 200 shows, somebody's going to get hurt. It happens in the NFL all the time. It happens in uh, European football all the time, baseball, the NBA, it happens all the time. You have superior athletes going at it 110% each and every night and injuries are about to happen. And Rob, you know better than anybody, you can get injured doing anything like going up your stairs, you know? So uh... It was down the stairs. It was down the stairs, all right. I mean, enough of that, Turner. 
and the mortal wounds of Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> but, <laughs> anyway, um, as far as reforming the blocks from the five star, I guess you can do that. I I do like the two blocks. So this way you have more matches. Mm. You know, between the two, I do not like this New Japan with the four blocks. To be honest with you, I've pretty much seen every uh, G1 match from, like, 2015 up until when they split the blocks up into four. Because I just did not keep my interest at all. I just thought there was too many missed opportunity matches. Um, I think, but I do like the idea of having shows where you have a majority of the five-star matches on there. So this way you can get this tournament done in like five or six weeks. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, this was the first year where they didn't have Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back five-star nights. I know they did it in 2021 and 2022. And um, I would like for them to go back to that format because then it's just, it's like five-star weekend. It's like a whole celebration of, you know, whether you do it on a Friday or Saturday or a Saturday and Sunday. And then you kind of get through 10, 11, five-star matches all in one weekend. You can get a big chunk of that schedule done all in one weekend. And then you kind of set the table of, like, this is what the tournament's going to be. And then maybe, you know, the girls take a week off and then maybe they just run a Sunday show where it's like eight matches, five of them are five-star matches and three of them are, you know, mixed tag. And then, you know, you then you go back to that format running either Friday, Saturday, and Sunday or, you know, two of the three of the dates where you're doing eight, eight matches, four or five of them are five stars, three or four of them are, uh, you know, undercard, uh, you know, tag matches. And then this way, yeah, you can get the tournament done and then, yeah, then you, know, you get the tournament done in five, six weeks. And, uh, you know, you're getting uh, this way. It's not this exhausting, long grinding tournament. Yeah, I know when we were doing some of the previews uh, past few weeks of the shows that were coming up, we're like, man, there's three shows this weekend. and There's only four or five star matches on kind of just seems like kind of a, you know, I load the deck, you know, and this way it's you, you burst, you boost your uh, your ticket sales, you uh, boost the YouTube and you boost the uh, the start on world subscriptions. That would be my business strategy, sir. And my other business strategy is do an American tour. That's what, whatever somebody asked me was like, you know, hey, if you could say anything to start, what would it be? I'm like, do an American tour. These people, we are, we are these people, us Americans. <laughs> we are dying. They are dying. The people that don't want stardom are dying for some phenomenal women's wrestling. And don't get me wrong, there's some really good stuff in Impact, AEW, WWE, but there is nothing going on like that they're doing in stardom. I think they would absolutely crush it over here. Yeah, absolutely. For, for what it's worth, I I prefer the two-block system. Um, it's just, you know, what I was raised on. Um, and similarly to you, I find the four-block system far harder to um, to follow. And it does, it does struggle to keep my attention for that reason. I think just rejigging you know, where you're putting pay-per-views as well. Like, fair enough, make the opening night a pay-per-view, make the final night a pay-per-view. That's that's absolutely fine. Um, but having random shows in the middle, like a stardom next time, that just, it doesn't need to happen. You know, if you've got a tournament, focus on the tournament. Um, because the five-star this year has been great. The five-star last year was great. The five-star in 2021 was great. No one is complaining. Do you know what? I'm missing a red belt match. No one's thinking that because they're all focused on the tournament. And I think if you pour your focus onto the tournament um, and focus on that rather than, you know, a new blood of pay-per-view and then two nights in the middle of the week where you've got one and two matches on the card. I mean, you looked at the, um, we did our preview and I did the graphics of people's calendars. Like Nadia Katora had completed all her matches by something ridiculous like the 6th of September 
and then didn't wrestle again in the tournament till the final. And obviously, I know that there's, you know, Julia going to do the impact stuff sort of messed the schedule up a little bit. Sai Kamatani getting injured and things. But I think if you have a concrete schedule, you concentrate on the tournament rather than the pay-per-view, um, then I think I think that will help. And I think as well, you know, we don't need 26 wrestlers in the five-star Grand Prix. I know we made a joke um, last year about there being 485 people spread across two blocks, which it seemed that was where Stardom was heading. But I do like this 10-woman block it does make it feel like more of an elite tournament. Um, moving on, talking about elite, obviously Wrestle Kingdom is on the horizon at the Tokyo Dome. Um, and of course, with Stardom having absolutely no New Japan titles on their roster at all, none at all whatsoever, none at all. Oh, um, wait a minute. I think you're wrong. <laughs> well... Stardom are not going to be appearing on the Tokyo Dome show. Um, it was announced that rather than have Stardom appear at Wrestle Kingdom 18, um, because, of course, if Stardom appeared, we are cutting into valuable House of Torture time, um, they are going to run their own show. So um, on the 4th of January, Stardom are going to run a show at the Tokyo Dome City Hall. Um, the main event, of that show will be an IWGP women's title match. So no starting participation at the Tokyo Dome. I think after the debacle of last year, I know loads of people have said, oh, well, what's the point in having this IWGP women's championship? It's a point that I've advocated for a long time. Um, I think it's clear that this was born without New Japan actually wanting it. And they made that abundantly clear by giving the match five minutes at Wrestle Kingdom 17 and, you know, it was primarily used as a as a platform to uh, get over Mercedes Monet's debut, which was great. Um, however, with running your own show that runs straight into Wrestle Kingdom, Stardom have announced that this show, I think, airs in at noon um, in Japanese time. So you'll have plenty of time to see this and Wrestle Kingdom. Um <sighs> yes. I just think it's I just think it's been a bit of a faff. To be perfectly honest, this IWGP Women's Championship, it really has, like, ultimately, what what was the point? What what really was the point in creating it? Um, the, I mean, the New Japan Women's Strong Championship, I've seen people say that it's easier to book. Literally, it did not need to be created. You needed one Women's Championship. You did not need to at all. Um, and now what you've got is a joke championship. I know I'm being harsh on it and it's, it's no one in stardom's fault. Um, but you've got the joke championship in the IWGP women's title, which has been defended by Mayu once in something like 180 days. I know she's defending it in America. Um, and then you've got the new Japan strong women's championship, which seems to exist primarily so that we can get to the Julia and Mercedes Monet match that we also desperately want. Um, it just seems that we have gone all the way around the houses to try and get to this point. Um, I'm not necessarily opposed to stardom not being on the Tokyo Dome shows because if they're not going to be given a prevalent spot, I'd rather them have their own show. 
if I'm being perfectly honest. If the five minutes that Kyrie and Tam got at 17 was any indication of where it's going to be, I'd much rather just see them have their own show. And if it's going to be Mayu who's holding that championship on the 4th of January, have Mayu at the top of the card in a fantastic 20-minute singles match. No one is going to complain at the fact that there's no, you know, second from the bottom card match on the Wrestle Kingdom card match. Yeah, Rob, I don't mean to put you on the spot. And uh, so if you don't know the answer, that's A-OK. But this um, A-OK, not A-L-K. Uh, nice. This Tokyo Dome City Hall uh, venue, do you know how, much, how many people that this place can hold? I've got a feeling. Ooh. Okay. Um, Tonight's going to be a good night. There Look you go. Things, there things you go. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I've got a feeling it's around 300, 400 people. Um, okay, so... So it's not like this huge, like 2000 seat venue. Not to my knowledge. I could be completely wrong. That is literally off the top of my head. Um, I'm relying solely on someone like Velkage or Armani or um, Steve or anybody that listens to uh, <laughs> Darren. Yeah, Darren <laughs> to, uh, to correct me. But yeah, I've got, I've, it's obviously it's nothing compared to the Tokyo Dome. But again, if Stardom wrestlers aren't going to be used, then I'm, not bothered about them not appearing and obviously when we get to our our big announcement that came at the end of this strategy meeting i ultimately don't think it matters yeah i think that the reason why i was asking is they they made mention that and you pointed out brother that the main event is going to be for the iwgp women's championship we all assume it's going to be mayu mayu played it off it's like well i got a couple title defenses you know hard defenses so it may not be, be me um I figured this was a venue where they're going to try to sell, you know, 14, 1500 tickets. They're kind and I know, I know dream kingdoms the week before, but they have the talent and the story enough where they can kind of load both cards. And my whole thing was, yes, it sucks that we're not going to see stardom on the Tokyo dome, but silver lining, let's look at the positive of it. Would you rather a four or five minute Mayu match versus, you know, whoever and not get the time very much like Tam and uh, and Kyrie from uh, you know earlier this year, and then the the, pre- the previous year we had the MK Sisters versus Tam and Saya Kamatani. That match got I think closer to ten, but well, you know, but at the same time, it's like you could have shaved off thirty seconds on some of the other matches and gave it given it to the Stardom Girls because they absolutely crushed and stole the show. So yeah, they really just don't seem like they they care about putting any time and effort into Stardom. But at the same time, Mr. Rob Goodwin, January fourth depending on what that undercard looks like. It's a very good possibility that Stardom has the best wrestling show on that card. And that's not a slight at all in New Japan. It really isn't. It's just that's my high opinion on Stardom. Obviously, we have Sonata and Naito on as the main event, which will be a really, really good match. Don't get me wrong. There's so many other matchups in Stardom that I think that will absolutely blow that out of the water. Um, I think that, you know, I know this isn't the uh, new Japan cast, but I strongly believe that they're going to do Okada versus Danielson at the Tokyo Dome just because they don't have anything to do for Okada and Okada needs to get his win back from Forbidden Door. So I think that, you know, that will kind of help them have the, you know, quote unquote better show. But I'll tell you what, my friend, depending off the starting ones on pay-per-view or not, I'm definitely going to be watching both shows. And uh, if Stardom does have the better show, you folks on Twitter, you're going to hear about it. Because I'll be like, see, I told you so. You guys, you did not want to put them in the Tokyo Dome. Fine, they're going to put on their own show and they're going to blow out one of the biggest wrestling shows of the year. I firmly believe that that's going to happen, my friend. Quite possibly, quite possibly, and obviously we'll see. Obviously, the only match announced at the moment for the Tokyo Dome is Sonata versus versus Tatsuya Naito. I'd be amazed if they don't run 
Dan- uh, Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. back um, for the TV title at the Tokyo Dome, especially so that Zack can get his uh, can get his win back and give Danielson that one match in the Tokyo Dome. Um, you know, before he runs out uh, runs out his career. Um, uh, also announced, uh, we've got three more announcements. The first of which is that April twenty seventh, twenty twenty four. Um, we know that Stardom always does a big show in March April time, and this year is no different. All Star Grand Queendom twenty twenty four. The name is returning, which is an absolute blessing. Um, but it's in a new venue, the Yokohama Buntai. Now this used to be the Yokohama Bunker Gymnasium. I believe, and it was shut down and has been sort of rebuilt or redone. Um, this will be the first wrestling show at that venue anyway. So, again, some... What's the word I'm looking for? Uniformity with these pay-per-views, which is great. I love the fact that we're getting, you know, these staples. If we can keep All-Star Grand Queendom around March, April, if we can keep Dream Queendom, at the end of the year, we've got those two tentpole events. We've obviously got the five star. I, I just like, I just like uniformity, man. I like it when pay per views are named the same thing, you know, like your Wrestle Kingdom, like your Dominion, like um, your King of Pro Wrestling, and so on and so forth. But yeah, like your Led, Ze- like your Led Zeppelin one, two, three, and four, brother. Your Countrymen's over there. Absolutely, Led Zeppelin one, Led Zeppelin two, and then you move into Houses of the Holy, which is its uh, its whole its whole. Whole other thing, um, which we don't really talk about. Um, Mayu Otani's res- Runaway Wrestler movie comes out in Japan in May 2024. What I'm hoping, and this is this is a big hope. Um, obviously, I know they did a Tanahashi documentary, which they then put um, subtitles on and aired on New Japan World. I would love if you get the option somewhere whether it is on stardom world or whatever i don't mind you know pay the money for it um if they can put subtitles on on the mayu iwatani runaway wrestler film because i'd love to watch in depth that story because as i mentioned with uh when we went off air actually with jesse when she asked us who who in the women's wrestling game who was the most inspirational I said Mayu because of her backstory and the way she you know the way she deals with issues and things like that I'd love to see that and understand what's going on so fingers crossed we get some manner of uh, subtitled version of the runaway wrestler but it comes out in Japan in May of 2024 um again no idea if it's getting um, English overdubs or anything like that and obviously, Matt, the main event of this was the fact that Historic Crossover 2 Electric Boogaloo will be coming in 2024. No specific date, but uh, yeah. I mean, after the success of Historic Crossover 1, um, the crowning of the IWGP Women's Championship with that fantastic match between Mayu and Kyrie, the excellent um, chemistry between some of the mixed teams, Micah and Hiroshi Tanahashi, um, Tanner just proper going at it, like completely seemingly forgetting the mixed tag rules, which was great. Um, the Zack Sabre Julia, Suri, and Tom Lawler tag was great. Obviously, you had um, Tam and Natsupoi and Kanamaru and Taichi versus Starlight Kid and Momo, and that match was really, really good as well. I think because of the success 
of that show, you'd be stupid not to do it again. And I think if you're going to focus your New Japan and Stardom relationship on this show and make this, you know, a semi-regular thing, whether it's a yearly thing or every other year, um, if you're focusing your efforts on that, Stardom don't need to appear at Wrestle Kingdom. It's not like New Japan are severing ties with Stardom. You know, they've got their own championships. It's not like not defending the IWGP Women's Championship is a huge issue. You know, it can come out for shows like this, which I'm sure it will. Um, but ultimately, I'm really, really looking forward to this because honestly, I think both companies did a fantastic job the first time around, Matt. Yeah, I think they drew like something like 7,000 people and they were, they put Kyrie and Mayu on top, which was a, uh, you know, a pump fake on what they were going to do with this title belt. But uh, we talked about that enough in the past, my brother. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to be, yeah, I thought it would be a yearly thing and just maybe just where how many shows New Japan's been running, how many shows Stardom's been running, maybe just wasn't in the cards to do another one uh, this fall. Because I believe it happened in uh, November of last year. But yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, nothing was really announced, but they did tease and they did make mention that uh, both Stardom and New Japan want to do the tag team of the ace and the icon, meaning uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming with Mayu. So um, I will be super thrilled to w- if that match does happen. And at the end of that match, if the ace and the icon, whoever they wrestle, go over and get the win, how the air guitar playing between the two is going to go, because that <laughs> might be worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, really good stuff. But just kind of piggyback off what you were talking about with uh, with Mayu in her movie. Um, it's really cool to see a lot of wrestlers now being on the silver screen or like their biopics being on the silver screen. About a half an hour before we uh, jumped in the Discord and to record this, they released the trailer for the Iron Claw movie, which is based on the Von Erichs. So, and that looks absolutely fantastic. If you've not seen that yet, I, I can almost guarantee you did not see that yet, brother, because you told me how insanely busy your day was. But uh, after you get off the podcast, if you have two minutes, definitely check out the trailer for the Iron Claw movie. Uh, comes out this Christmas. Yeah, not a sponsor of the show. Uh, Should be. But uh, yeah, so it's nice to see these wrestlers are going to be on the silver screen, just putting professional wrestling as a whole in a bigger light. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've seen a still from the trailer with, um, obviously, Zac Efron um, looking incredibly jacked. Um, But that's all I've seen. So I'll uh, I'll definitely check out the trailer. I have seen that it's on Twitter. So uh, I'll make a point of checking that out before I go to football. Um, Let's kick into these two shows that we are reviewing. Then we're going to be looking at the show from Corrigan um, from October 1st. And then we're also going to be looking at Stardom's latest pay-per-view effort which was stardom nagoya golden fight um from the 9th of october so we'll start with the corrigan show and the results were as follows again matt it's a multi-woman match you know this so what's going to happen fuki and death is going to win uh so fuki and death defeated hanako hina and Saya Ida pinning Hanako with the O'Connor roll. Um, in a tag team match, the Cosmic Angels team of, not the Cosmic Angels team, that's blasphemy, the Club Venus team of Mina Shirakawa and Waka Tsukiyama defeated the Queen's Quest team of Miyu Amasaki and Lady C. Mina getting the win over Miyu with the implant DDT in 8 minutes and 15 seconds. Um, we then had a six-woman tag match with the team of Suzu Suzuki, Mei Seira and Megan Bain uh, defeating the team of Saki Kashima, Mirai and Suri Suzu Suzuki getting the pinfall over Saki with the Grand Maestro de Tequila 
in nine minutes and seven seconds. We then had a six-woman tag. The team of the Donna Darmondo team, sorry, of May Sakurai, Tekla, and Micah defeating the Stars team of Hazuki, Koguma, and Hanan. Micah pinning Hanan in 10 minutes and 32 seconds with the Michinoku Driver 2. Um, in what will be a prelude to the Red Belt match at the pay per view, the Oeretai team of Momo Watanabe, um, Rina Ruaka, and Natsuka Tora defeated um, the team of Sioriano, Yuna Mizumori, um, Tam Nakano, and Natsupoi, um, with Natsuka Tora getting the pin with the Death Valley bomb on Yuna Mizumori in 11 minutes and 19 seconds. We then had, very, very bizarrely, um, the special 10th anniversary singles match for Azumi uh, taking on Mayu Otani, which they had to restart. Um, so it started, and then there was a double count out after two minutes. Um, they sort of protested and agreed to restart the match, and Mayu came out victorious, uh, defeating Azumi with her own move in 12 minutes and 10 seconds, pinning her with the Azumi Sushi. Um, and then in your main event, you had a New Japan Strong Women's Championship match, the champion Julia defending successfully for the fourth time, defeating the challenger Amisori in 17 minutes and 34 seconds with the Northern Lights bomb. First thing I want to say, Matt, um, just looking at this attendance, which I didn't announce at the start, which I usually do, 902 people, which is significantly down from uh, the full houses stardom have been pulling in to Corrigan Hall. Do you think it's just a case of it's coming right off the back of the five-star and people are a little bit burnt out? Do you think it's just a case of too many shows? Um, or do you think it's just a little blip and the next time they run Corrigan, they're going to get a relatively full house again? I think a little bit of all three. Um, not only that, but you don't have, I mean, we all love Izumi, but it's, it, they, you don't have a big championship match on Korakon or a big, you know, Mayu versus Tam, you know, from the uh, the five-star that absolutely filled that building. I think it's just a combination of all three. Yeah, I was shocked because I was looking at the card. I'm like, okay, it looks like a really good card. Obviously, Julia versus Ami Sori is going to put butts in seats, and Izumi versus Mayu is going to do the same thing as well. And, uh, yeah, when I was watching the show, I'm like, there's a lot more empty seats than normal. I think, you know, I mean, you're looking at they've been drawing 1,300 and 1,400. So you're looking at you're missing about four or 500 uh, filled seats there. Regardless, 902 people in Cork and Hall, still not a bad number. Yeah, it could be a combination. It was kind of just all three. I think maybe if they would have put maybe a, uh, you know, Wonder Championship match on there and added this, I think they probably could have drawn a few more hundred tickets. But regardless, I mean, the whole undercover is really good. But uh, you got some really cool angles with some of these mystery attackers. These last two matches, brother, holy jeez, they were definitely must-see. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about these matches then. So we'll start from... So, there was a lot going on. Obviously, we had two run-ins from people dressed in black robes and clown masks. And much as I would like to think that it was just Fukik and Death messing around, there was a lot that attacked Mayu. So at the closing night of the five-star Grand Prix the night before, Mayu had put out a challenge to all comers for the IWGP Women's Championship, acknowledging the fact that she hadn't been defending it as much as she wanted. So she said, anyone, you can come and you can uh, you can bring your best. 
So Mayu gets the victory over Izumi. Fantastic match. We'll talk about it in a moment. And then was attacked by a whole litany of people in masks. The same happened to Mirai after the match um, against Megan Bain, Maysera and Suzu Suzuki. After their match, Mirai got attacked by someone in a black robe and a mask. And then Julia got attacked after her match with Amisori by the former, the former Andrus Miyagi. Um, which was certainly unexpected. Um, I don't think anyone expected that, of course, going under the name Mashiko now in Gleet. Um, but yeah, she came in and challenged Julia to a match. It's not a title match. It's a special singles match, and that's going to be taking place as a part of the opening night of the uh, 13th Goddess of Stardom tournament. Um, but Matt... Obviously, we are building to challenges for both the IWGP Women's Championship and the wonder of Stardom Championship. It's a ploy that Stardom have used before. It was how we introduced Mirai and Tekla, if you remember back um, at the end of 2021. Yeah, end of 2021, start of 2022. Are you a fan of this or would you prefer, you know, there are a lot of people that you'd like to see Mirai have white belt matches with. There's a lot of people who Mayu Iwatani around the world can have IWGP Women Championship matches without the Harbingers of Death doing a run-in. Um, do you think we're just getting a way of sort of introducing some other people to the roster? Or do you think, you know, it could be a case of some manner of invasion angle? Who knows? What, what are your opinions on this? As long as it works. I mean, if it's, you know, if it's, I would like to see somebody like Mariah. Obviously, she had, we'll talk about, she had the successful title defense against Mama Watanabe at the pay per view, which was phenomenal. But to me, it seems like Micah, Mina Shirakawa, and Sayoriano um, are due, you know, Wonder Stardom Championship matches, especially the fact that when want Sayori, they, they kind of they teased. So it's like the fact that somebody may be new to the company, maybe it's somebody that's in the company already is kind of uh, attacking Mariah. Um, that I kind of don't like. However, if it's somebody like a Diana Perrazzo that's doing it and they kind of just hot shot a feud with her and Mariah, I'm definitely not going to say no to that. But yeah, this roster is already insanely loaded. So if they're going to be bringing somebody in, a new in, they're going to do it under this mask, guys. It's got to be somebody that uh, the booking committee has full confidence in that is going to be able to hang with the best of the best and stardom and it's going to put more eyes on the company. So um, considering the fact that uh, I didn't know who Tekla and Mariah were when they did this angle back in 2021. Speaking of 2021, folks, don't forget to buy your book, Stardom Living the Dream, 10th uh, <laughs> anniversary in review by my good friend Rob Goodwin, which he covers every single show of Stardom in 2021. Anywho, there's your plug, brother. Uh, <laughs> you are relentless. <laughs> it's part of the bit, my man, part of the bit. You got to keep it going. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see who it's going to be. I did have somebody send me a message on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week that uh, one of the attackers, by the way that they were moving, it reminded them the way that Janai Kai moves in the ring. So that would be somebody that I would love to see in stardom because she does work the uh, like the shoot-style kickboxer gimmick. And I'm already just thinking of her and Momo, her and Shuri, her and Mina, like, you know, her and Mayu. There's be some really, really great matches if they bring a Janai Kai in, I know she's been in and out of Japan quite a bit in the last year, year and a half. So if that's one of one of the attackers are, and it leads to a Mirai Janai Kai match, I'm all for that as well. 
Well, I think, unless I'm very much mistaken, and I don't think I am, I'm sure that she is in a faction with Mashiko. I'm sure. Ooh, there I, it is, full circle, brother. I'm sure that they are in um, Diamond Egoist. Diamond Egoist, and they're a faction in Glee. So I'm wondering if this is going to be some sort of invasion angle with members of Gleet and freelance, and I know that um, other wrestlers from uh, that are freelance have done work in all Japan and, like, say, Gleet. So maybe the maybe they're doing a run in on Stardom. I don't know. Um, but other than that, other than that, Matt, the two top matches, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. We had no, we we knew the Mayu and Azumi were going to blow it out of the water. Their first singles match since 2018, which is absolutely crazy when you. When you think back to the news segment when I was going through how many shows Stardom have run since 2018 and Mayu and Azumi have not faced off in singles action, that's absolutely mind-blowing to me. But we knew we were going to get a fantastic match there, even if it only went 12 minutes. What I was most interested in was how Amisori, coming off the back of a pretty good tournament, let's be perfectly honest. Um, one where we didn't think she was going to get many points and it was going to be a case of how she lost. Coming out of that tournament with a strong victory over Suri, how was she going to fare top of the card in a championship match against Julia? Ultimately, Matt, how do you think she fared? I think she did great. I thought the match with, you know, we talked about this, uh, you know, when we were previewing the show. Um, I think it was actually two weeks ago because I think this dropped right around the, or this show happened right around the time we recorded. Uh, but we knew that obviously Ami Sori had a lot of momentum coming out of the five-star tournament. And she's wrestling Julia, who is notorious in these, you know, bigger matches, longer matches. Well, they'll take somebody in the middle of the card and give them a ton of offense and bring them up where they look like they can hang, you know, with the Julias, the Sherrys, the Utamis of the world. And she did that with Ami Sori. I mean, Ami Sori, she likes to use the Blue Thunder Bomb quite a bit. And, and, you know, as a setup, as, you know, as they're building towards her finish. Ami Sori hit a Blue Thunder Bomb off the top rope. I don't think I've ever seen that before. And that, uh, she hit the like a Thunderbolt, and I don't think anybody's ever kicked out of it before. Now, I knew the result when I watched this match. I knew what the result was. And Ami hit it, and I was like, did I read the result wrong? Because I don't think anybody's ever kicked out of this. But then Julia kicks out, which, again, you know, makes sense. It's a championship match. Julia's a main eventer. She's top of the card. If you're going to protect this finisher as well as they have over the past year or so, if you're going to have anybody kick out of it, main event Cork and Hall for a championship belt, you know, it makes sense to do it here. But Julia gave Ami Sori a lot a lot of offense and Ami Sori took advantage and made herself look like a credible star. If they're going to put Ami Sori in the main event from time to time, she clearly belongs. You know, we saw her, we saw her dabble in the main event a little bit um, earlier this year with um, uh, Sayaka Matani and they had a really, really good match, but you put her in the main event again with a Sherry with a Julia. Uh, it, it's going to be really good. It's going to be really good. It's, and it's maybe only a matter of time. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the progression of Mina Shirakawa in a year, Unimizumori in a year. The fact that we, me and you both agreed last week that Mike and Natsupoi are now coming out of this five star as constant main eventers. We're not be shocked in about seven, eight, nine months if we're talking about Amisori in the same breath. She was great here. Julia is great all the time. Again, we th- think that Julia is working with a bruised tailbone. Um, you know, even if she's a hundred percent, the bumps that she took in this match were absolutely insane. In fact, that if she's only operating at a 60, 70 percent. 
frame and she was taking these big bumps for Ami Sori to get her over just shows you the unselfishness and the professional that Julie is. Yeah, absolutely. I think Ami has shown that she is more than capable now of hanging in that sort of area. Um, do I think she's ready for Red Bell matches? No, no, certainly not. However, I think she is far more ready for sort of the white belt picture than she was when she fought Sayakamitani at the start of this year. Um, I think if you think back to that, Matt, I think it was February time. Um, it sort of came a little bit out of left field and everyone was like, mm, okay, it seems to be just, you know, a stock defense for Sire and the match was good, but it was it was just that. It was good um, in, a, in a reign where most matches were fantastic. However, here, and it could be something as simple as the longer hair, who knows, um, but she felt more comfortable. She felt more like she belonged in this main event picture. And it could be, Matt, like you mentioned, Julia bringing her up to her level. It could be the fact that Julia wrestles more of the Ami style, maybe. Or maybe it's just the progress that she's made since February. I think she did a fantastic job. Um, I don't think anyone, anyone in the world thought Ami Sori was taking the belt off Julia here. I will be amazed if I can find one person who follows this product that thought Ami Sori was coming out with the belt. But nevertheless, it was an enjoyable match. It's another defense for Julia. As you know, we talked about um, earlier on this episode, as we go towards Mercedes Monet versus Julia, which is going to be the main match for this championship, isn't it, Matt? Yeah. And where do you think that match takes place, Rob? You think they do that at Dream Queendom or they do that at, um, you know, the January 4th show? I, I mean, I'm assuming if the January 4th show, you know, we talked about a little bit ago, brother, if it's only a, a couple hundred people, they're probably going to put that on Dream Queendom because they're going to want to sell, you know, over 3,000 tickets. Hmm. If Mercedes is fit, and according to the Observer, she is out of the walking boot now. Um, so obviously, significant progress. If she's fit for Dream Queendom, it happens at Dream Queendom. It, it's a case of when she's fit. However, I wouldn't risk rushing it. I feel like if it's touch and go, whether she's going to be fit for Dream Queendom, don't have it there. Don't have it there. Have a video package for Mercedes. Come on after a Julia Tile defense. Have a video package come on like it did before where, you know, people will still pop. It'll still be a huge thing. And that can then be maybe you leave off till April and have it at Yokohama Bunkai. Mate, Buntai. Buntai? Bunkai. Buntai? I'm saying it right. Whatever you want, whatever, whatever you want brother. It's your world. We're just all paying rent. Yeah, the, the April show anyway. Um, maybe you hold off till then um, because I think... With the greatest of respect, I think Julia and Mercedes Monet is too big a match to take part to take place at Tokyo Dome City Hall. Um, if anything, personally, I think that match is Tokyo Dome worthy. Um, but as they've already announced that Stardom isn't going to be participating, I I don't think you lose anything if you hold off on that match till April and have it at that show. Because that's easily... That could main event your show easily. It won't, because it's not a stardom title. But that could easily main event your show. And that will move tickets, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll try to get the inside scoop on Saturday, brother. Maybe I'll run a couple couple spots with her. We'll see how she's moving. 
yeah absolutely absolutely if you could do maybe a couple of hurricane runners and just uh, sort of sort of see how she uh, sort of see how she fares um i'll throw those i'll throw those low kicks see if she's checking them yeah absolutely absolutely maybe maybe avoid her ankle though um i can't imagine she'll thank you very much for that um mayu and azumi matt we knew it was going to be great a little bit weird with the break after two minutes but ultimately mayu it's mayu isn't it it's mayu doing mayu things in a mayu match but ultimately that 12 minutes that they went in the semi-main was really 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 good everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, Rob, you know I'm a stickler for the rules. You know, we joked when we did the Kandori Hokotoad episode uh, when we recorded last night. I'm like, how come there's no double count out? What's going on here? The fact that these two were warned for being outside too long and then got counted out. Now, I knew that the going in this, that the match got restarted because I would have been like super pissed if like two minutes in that like this match that we haven't seen in five years and how much better Mayu is now and especially Zumi is now from the last five, you know, for five years that this match at Cork and Hall on Azumi's anniversary show that had to be redone because of the injuries to start like hitting Utami. So it was only going two minutes. I would have been pissed, but I was like, oh man, this went two minutes and had a count up, but I, okay, I see it got restarted. And I was like, that's what you get, folks. You need to pay attention to the rules. You have a 20 count. But uh, how about Azumi? We have not seen anybody really, I think since maybe Mayu or Io doing the dives off like the... Uh, the one entranceway in Cork and Hall. I mean, we see, you know, Mayu and EO and Kyrie would, uh, you know, anytime there's a big Cork and Hall show, a big championship match, which majority of them back in 17 and 18 uh, in 2016 had, you know, at least one of the three or somebody was doing some crazy dive off that, but we have not seen it in a long time. And Azumi brought it out. She uh, did the dive off the, uh, you know, the, the, the side entrance there. And uh, I like to see that, you know, more often, obviously in a safe way, in a safe way. So I thought that was really cool that she kind of brought back, you know, that, that danger spot there. But, uh, yeah, so they get double counted out, the match starts, and then they basically have, like, almost, like, three different matches in 12 minutes. You know, they have the high-speed match, you know, then they have, like, the striking match, and then they have, you know, your basic, let's dump each other on their head and try to, uh, you know, basically, like, the Mayu big match, which Azumi was able to keep up with. And I thought the finish was just great, how Mayu hits the uh, two-stage dragon suplex and then was like, no. We're gonna beat Azumi with the Azumi sushi in the middle of the ring, and she did it quite well. I, quite well. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be heartbroken if we would see Mayu break out the Azumi sushi from time to time and matches like almost like as a desperation thing. Um, you know, just to say it's like, well, you know, I use this move on Azumi and Cork and Hall. Maybe I'll use it to you know retain the IWGP Championship or to get a win, maybe like a Momo Watanabe or something. But uh, yeah, all in all, uh, great match. This was uh, my favorite match of this show. Um, I did enjoy the Julia. Ami, sorry, match. I gave that four stars. Uh, this is Zumi Mayu match. Absolutely must see four and a half stars. Yeah, I gave it four and a quarter. It's, you know, two of my favorites doing a match that I love. You know, it was, there was nothing about this match I didn't like. And I think that, uh, that jump off the, uh, off the entrance to the, uh, to the concourse, it seems like a, a rite of passage 
at Corican Hall, doesn't it? So maybe Azumi is ascending to that level of uh, of freedom. Maybe, maybe. Um, what else do you want to talk about then, Matt, on this undercard before we head on to uh, head on to Nagoya? No, that was it. The rest of the show was 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 pretty good, but it was just basically you know get everybody on the card. I let everybody be seen. Um, you know, the, the main thing on the undercard was just get uh, Tora a big win over Cosmic Angels to build her up to her championship match, uh, you know, the next week, which we'll talk about. But solid undercard. But, yeah, the money is in those final two matches. Yeah, absolutely. I'd argue they are up there with the best recent matches at Corican, certainly singles matches, because we seem to be... Um sort of dealing in tags don't we at the moment at Corican with uh, the importance of the shows sort of taking a backseat to uh, the ex- pardon me the extended amount of uh, of pay-per-views and with that being said we move on to Stardom's latest pay-per-view which was Stardom Nagoya Golden Fight the Kinshachi Miracle and I am probably butchering that but that is what we are going with um, on the 9th of October. It was a uh, Monday, but it was also a national holiday in Japan, which explains why every single wrestling company in Japan was running a show on this day. New Japan had their destruction in Ryogoku show. I know that TJPW had a show as well. Uh, But Stardom was running from Nagoya, the Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium uh, in Nagoya, Aichi, Japan. And the show was as follows Amisori in the pre-show six-way ta- uh, six-way match Amisori defeated Hanan Lady C Miyu Amasaki Ruaka and Yuna Mizumori by uh, by pinning sorry just get my notes up there we go by pinning Ruaka with the blue thunder bomb in six minutes and 29 seconds um Maysera dethroned Saki Kashima to become the brand new high speed champion um, pinning Saki with the La Magistral in 6 minutes and 28 seconds. Um, so becoming the 24th high-speed champion. Um, Seorianu defeated Azumi in a special singles match in 8 minutes and 38 seconds with the jackknife pin. Uh, Siori defeated Mina Shirakawa in the UWF rules match in 10 minutes and 45 seconds with a knockout in what was possibly the most surprising match on the card when you really consider it in the artist of stardom championship matches the team of the Barry Barry Bombers, the champions, Julia Tekla and May Sakurai, defended their titles for the second time, defeating the Mika Suzu, Suzuki and Megan Bain team in 5 minutes and 37 seconds, with Julia pinning Mika with the Ganasuke clutch. But the match was very, very much secondary to the storyline that they are telling with Mika. And I really, really like that, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Wonder of Stardom Championship match next with the champion Mirai defending successfully for the second time, defeating the challenger Momo Watanabe in 15 minutes and 32 seconds with the Lariat. In our semi-main, the Kyrie send-off match, Kyrie's final match in Stardom. And if you go back to the last episode, Matt said that he thought that Kyrie may put someone over in this match. No such luck 
No such luck. Kyrie absolutely destroyed Kogamu with this insane elbow to give the team of Kyrie, Nanai Takahashi, and Mayu Iwatani the win over Hazuki Kogamu and Saya Ida in 24 minutes and 25 seconds. As I mentioned, Kyrie absolutely destroying Kogamu with an insane elbow. And then in your main event, the World of Stardom Championship match, the champion, Tam Nakano, defended successfully for the third time, defeating the challenger Natsuka Tora in 21 minutes and 34 seconds with the violet screwdriver. So, Matt, first things first, the attendance for the show. You know how much I love a stat. So 1,315 people inside the Aichi Prefectoral Gymnasium. Now, the last time they ran a pay-per-view um, was Stardom X Stardom 2022, which I actually can't find the attendance for. But the show before that that they ran was on the 29th of the 1st, 2022, and that was the Nagoya Supreme Fight Show, um, which had Suri and Marai on top and Julia and Mayu Iwatani's time limit draw uh, Sayaka Matani defending the belt against Unagi Sayaka. Um, that drew 1,306. So nine more people for this show. Do you think Stardom, considering this show had Kyrie's final Stardom match, do you think Stardom will be disappointed that they didn't sell more tickets? Especially when you consider... Ultimately, when you look at it, it's quite a loaded card. I think it's a good number. I mean, it is it, even though it is a uh, was a bank holiday in Japan. There's it's still tough to run on Monday because you don't know if people are going to be going away or going on vacation. You're just taking that day off to get stuff done around the house. Lord knows that I sometimes have to use my vacation time just to get stuff done around the house because I'm so busy with my eighty four thousand jobs. Not only that, Rob, but every wrestling company in Japan pretty much ran a wrestling show, so you're only stretched so thin. Had this been on like a uh, you know a Saturday or a Sunday, maybe in the middle of the month, I think it may have done a little bit better. For 1,300 people, is still a really really good draw for what ultimately was a really really good show. I don't think the fact that every single company in Japan was also running shows helped the attendance numbers. Um, even if the main event of Destruction and Rio Goku was uh, Sonata versus Evil, but we won't talk about that. We'll talk about this pay per view instead. Um, I want to talk for a moment about the angle with Micah. So, throughout this five minute runtime, because I believe in our preview, I definitely said that. Barry Barry Bombers were going to drop the belts. Um, I can't actually remember what you said, Matt. Did you think they dropped them as well? Yeah, I think I, I, I agreed. So that's why I was like, oh, and I was more shocked that this match went under six minutes where it's like you, when you have six people, you're trying to get over. And I understand now the main thing was to get over is just this Micah and Suzu thing, which kind of goes into, and we'll get into it when we get to the end of the show, because with the uh, Goddess of Stardom tournament, happening this weekend that uh, we do need to give our predictions who we think is going to win the tournament. So I think this may play into what I'm showing my hand here, what I think the finals will be for the, for the goddess tournament. So that's obviously what they wanted to get over. You know, they've been kind of sprinkling things in here or there, you know, before the five star during the five star 
And then ultimately with the injuries to Tommy and Sayaka Matani, uh, had to get rebooked. So they figured, let's go all in on uh, the finals, Suzu and Micah. And there's that one awesome shot where uh, Suzu is, you know, they're putting the crown and the cape on her. And Micah is just on the side like, I was so close. I was so close. I've been in this company for over three years. She's only been full-time less than a year. And she gets she gets to wear the crown. You know, that's so I think it's just an ultimate boiling point that just boiled over at the end of this match where after the match was over, Mike could just punch Suzu right in the jaw. It's like, all right, I guess it's on now. You know, like so uh, that little uh, that little faction we thought was going to happen between uh, May Sarah, Megan Bain. Mike and Suzu Suzuki probably isn't happening now, my friend. No, no, probably not. Um, what I do like is, though, it's it's not out of the realms of possibility. This is a perfectly legitimate and justified beef that Micah has with Suzu Suzuki. Suzu swans in, and Micah is perfectly within her rights to think, well, I'd have won the five-star had it not been for Suzu just decided she fancied having a having a run in stardom. And to see Julia, who, you know, Micah has been in this faction with Julia for three years, you know, they've been friends for three years, to then see Julia defending Suzu when Micah feels so obviously slighted, I think it's a really good storyline. It saves the fact that you want to keep Megan Bain strong. Obviously, you don't want Suzu Suzuki getting pinned having just won the five-star and then challenging uh, Tam in the main event. So this makes perfect sense. It really does. It furthers a storyline for Micah. Um, it gives another defense to the Barry Barry Bombers without you know, too many more injuries. Obviously, we can't afford any more injuries on the stardom roster at the moment. But ultimately, I think it worked really, really well. And I think this is going to be that final push for Micah to be that main event star that she proved she could be in the five star. Um, for me, she was one of, if not my MVP of the entire tournament alongside Natsupoy. So I wonder if this is their way of sort of setting her out on her own away from Donna Del Mondo, like Suri did, having to get out of the shadow of Julia before she can become the real main event star. And I wonder if what they will do is have Tam versus... I'm sort of speculating a little bit. Suzu Suzuki came out after the Red Belt match, um, challenged Tam for the belt at Stardom Gold Rush, which is going to be happening at the end of November. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Tam defeats Suzu Suzuki there and the next challenger is Micah. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. I think what they're going to do is uh, Tam has success, successful title defense on Suzu. And then, you know, you have um, about a month to build to, you know, really four to five weeks. You have two big shows. You have the January 4th show and the December 29th show. I think to just make those shows bigger, you run back Suzu and Micah and you build it up as there's no titles, but it's a rematch of the five-star final. And what would happen if Micah was fresh? Now, Grant, I understand technically Suzu did wrestle a match on the pre-show, but compared to what Micah had to go through with Mirai, like what would happen? And then you get Micah the big win on that show, or you can kind of bookend it where it's like, well, she had the big win at uh, All-Star Grand Queendom against uh, Himika, you know, in front of, you know, 5,000 people or what have you. And now you're going to give her a big win on this show as well. And then really starting pushing her up towards the main event going into 2024. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different scenarios 
that can work. I do want to point out that I listened to a friend of the show, Karen Peterson, on Post Wrestling this past week, and she thinks that Suzu Suzuki is taking the belt off Tam, and they're doing Suzu and Julia as the main event of Dream Queendom, which I thought was very interesting. Hmm. My only thought with that is, well, I mean, they could do that, couldn't they? And then, yeah. obviously, we know that Julia's next um, New Japan Strong Championship title defense is going to be against Hyen. That was announced at the 1st of October show, which I forgot to mention. Um, but imagine if Julia gets the red belt back from Suzu Suzuki in December. And then there's a challenge for Mercedes Monet. And that, that is your main event of the Yokohama Buntai. For the red belt. For the red belt. That makes the red belt. You ne- you've ne- no disrespect to anybody that's had that red belt. You know how much I I honor that belt. I think it's one of the most, if not the most important championship in all of wrestling, where you've never had a star in the history of stardom like a Mercedes, a worldwide star like Mercedes Monet challenging for the World of Stardom Championship. And win, lose, or draw, that belt is going to get over huge. Huge, Rob Goodwin. Look at you, my friend. Look at you. That's a really good booking decision. The only thing that I don't like about that is Suzu then would, because the Gold Rush show is the 18th of November, I believe. She would have the belt for just over a month. And whilst there is only a select few in stardom that are entrusted with the red belt, you know, hell, Tam. Tam's been in the company for what, since 2018, 2017? So it's taken her six years to get the red belt. Um, only two people have ever held it twice. It, you know, it's not everyone, despite how good a lot of the roster is, not everyone is going to have a red belt run. So just to have the red belt for any amount of time is relatively prestigious. I wouldn't want Susie to only have it for less than a month. I think too, buddy. I think Karen did say that she would have, she thinks that Susie would go over Julia. So, wow. so she, I think she's, I think she's in, we, we got to have her on the show. I got to remind, I got to, I'm going to send her a message. I, I actually have a little bit of downtime in between while I'm waiting in line in New York. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot her over an email this weekend to see if we can get her on the show because I'm really interested in her train of thought because I didn't even look at it like that. I think me, you and everybody kind of figured Tam's the big draw. Tam's going to be defending the uh, world of stardom championship at the end of December um at dream queendom but uh, she kind of really kind of got my brain turning there i mean susan versus julie in the main event of that show i would definitely say not say no to you know no definitely not definitely not and obviously we saw from that feud at um at supreme fight in february just how good that can be um obviously you know it might be worth getting karen on um for our preview show um, for our second to last show of the year, because we we may have a guest, you know, just just a tease, we may have a guest ahead of the uh, the review show. I'd love to have Karen's thoughts on it, though. I think that'd be amazing. Anyway, moving on from this, because we seem to have di- <laughs> diverted Shocker. away from the actual pay per view. Um, I don't feel like you can really rate this match because it was secondary. You know, it was Suzu Suzuki who accidentally hit Micah, and then Julia was able to roll her with a Gamasuke clutch. I feel like it was, you know, the match was secondary 
to uh, to the actual story and the story that opens a lot of doors, especially for Micah. I happen to agree. I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's Mafia Bella versus Micah and Megan Bain in the final of the Tag League. I'd be very, very surprised if Micah and Megan Bain don't make it to the final. In fact, I'm just going out there now. They're my winners. Um, simply you do it now. That's what we're talking about. You want to do? quick predictions no we'll do it we'll do it after oh, no, okay. let's talk about this show let's talk about right. this show um how are you doing today brother what else is going on with you today <laughs> shut up man. um anyway matt this show as a whole fantastic talk me through your thoughts good sir absolutely just real good. the pre-show was was good it was what it was it seems like every wrestler had like two moves to do and then they took it home, which is fine. Um, so I'm going to get it is a pay per view, so I'm going to go through each match and give my star rating. I know you did not see all of this, correct, sir? I didn't see all of this show. Unfortunately, it's been uh, it's been one of those weeks in the Goodwin household. <laughs> no. I've managed to cherry pick a few moments from mm. matches, so this is going to be heavily led by Matt. Okay, but I'm going to go through each match, give my opinion. If you cut me off, if there's something that you've seen or a question or, or add anything in. So I uh, pre-show three years. The high-speed championship. Now, Saki Kashima obviously is more of the comedic wrestler. So this match kills the start. And as they're in the opposite corners waiting for the bell, Saki Kashima all of a sudden does the Shuri MMA fighter stance where she puts her hands up, she squares up like she's going to come out as like a shooter. And they go to Maysair. Maysair was like, oh, oh, this is what we're doing? And the bell rings, of course, nothing, none of that happens. I just thought that was a chuckle. Um, I liked how Saki, her strategy, her psychology was very simple, not to get into a high-speed match with Maysair. She basically shuts her down early on, and then the last quarter of the match is Maysair doing all the crazy high-speed stuff that she does. Eventually, Saki Kasuma tries for the Kishikasai, she gets rolled up into a cradle for a three count. Really good um, psychology there. Easy match to follow. But uh, now with Maysera, who's more of the high-speed wrestler, more of the Izumi, the starlight kid, Hazuki Natsupoi, I think you're going to get that match quality better back. Not that Saki's not bad, but just what we've seen with the high-speed division over the last two or three years with matches that can absolutely steal a show. Uh, again, we called the match you know, just yesterday, brother, of a loaded pay-per-view. But absolutely stole the show for the high speed uh, championship with the Zumi and Starlight Kid, and I think Maysera is is that quality of a wrestler where she can have you know maybe the second or third best match on a loaded pay per view with that championship. All in all, though, I thought Saki Kajima's high speed championship run was fun. We knew it wasn't going to last long. It was something completely different, um, but uh, yeah, really really fun stuff, and I'm excited to see what Maysera does with the high speed championship. Match number two, brother. Did you get a chance to see this one or any of this with Sayori Anu, who does the Tom's Tandra versus one Azumi? The Tom Tandra. <laughs> um, no, I didn't. I saw the main event and I saw the uh, the Kyrie match. The I'll get the one negative thing out of the way. The uh, the finish got messed up. I know a lot of people are like it's botch. I hate when people say botch. It's such a it's 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 such an insult to the wrestlers that are out there putting a phenomenal performance on. They got a little tripped up. With the uh, the Izumi Sushi getting countered into uh, what I call the backslide from heaven, and that it was like the last like twenty seconds of the match. But uh, don't let that take away from what was an absolute fantastic match, my friend. When you get time, definitely go out and watch this. While I watched this match, we knew this was going to be good. This was uh, they started out with like almost like a high speed style match, which obviously Izumi's the master of. But depending on what they do with Sayori Anu uh, next year. 
I wouldn't be heartbroken if we had a series of high-speed championship matches with Seorianu and Maysera going into 2024 because I think they would absolutely have an absolute fantastic matches. We saw how great their tag match was with uh, Suzu Suzuki and uh, you know Natsupoya uh, teaming with the uh, those respected wrestlers. But this was really, really good. Uh, definitely must see one of my favorite matches of the show. I just want to point something out with Izumi. We all know she's a great wrestler. She turned pro at age 11, which is absolutely insane, considering the fact that she passed her stardom protest at age 11. is is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, she's one of the best in the world. She gets better each and every outing. The one little thing that she may have been missing, I kind of think that she's starting to pick up on it, and that's kind of like the it factor. Like, not that she hasn't had, not that she doesn't have that cool factor, but she's not on the level of, like, a Julia, uh, not on the level of, like, a danger person like a Shiri or an Utami, or even, like, Soriano, who just has that, like, really cool badass entrance is very stoic in her entrance very focused on what she does kind of has that it, it factor where we've seen and, it's, and that's something that you can't teach and i think where azumi may have been fumbling with the you know main event it factor is the fact that we've been watching her wrestle since she was 11 she's been in front of crowds in cork and hall since she was 11 12 years old maybe a little bit timid to kind of maybe get out of her shell a little and may and that's just me kind of spitballing where we've seen her getting that more cool factor the last like year and a half to two years. We're here. She's just, it seems like she's right there. It seems like she's right there for that main event it factor. Her in ring, she's a main eventer. I mean, there's no, from bell to bell, I don't think there's a dozen wrestlers better in the world than what Azumi does, what she provides that product in ring. But I think it might just be a combination of a few things. She has the new gear, which we saw debut at her 10th anniversary show. Now, granted, I'm a little more partial to the purple gear because I'd like my Queen's Quest members to have, you know, Zumi <laughs> with purple, Saya with green, Utami with red, uh, Momo Watanabe when she was there with blue. But I think this works well for her because she has the blonde hair and Rob, you know, this is going to, we've been podcasting almost two years together. You know, this goes a long way with me. Azumi is tanning. Yes, folks, Azumi is tanning. So I think like her tan with her hair color and her color scheme on her gear really, really works to send her to that next level. And again, when it comes to making or breaking somebody into that main event level, it's always the little things that you point out and say, oh, that's it. This one little thing happened that I was like, okay, I, I think she's there now. I think she's there now. When they're doing the intros of both Sayori and Azumi, when they're panning on Azumi, she's in the corner and she's stretching and she just nonchalantly looks at the camera, points and winks. As if, like, okay, Sayoriano is a really, really cool wrestler, a badass wrestler, but I got this. Like, it was very, like, laid And I don't know what it was. It was just, like, her facial. The, it just seems to me, like, okay, I think Azumi is getting that main event level hit factor on a level of a Julia, a Tam, uh, you know, a Shuri. And it's, like, she's only 21, and she's literally the total package. But, yeah, this match was just fantastic wrestling back and forth really good counters did not know which way it was going to go um the two of them at the end just countering each other's finishers or eventually it is azumi uh excuse me uh Seoriano countering the azumi sushi into the what i call the back i think it's called the potter ring but i'm just going to call it the backslide from heaven because it's just an awesome move yeah really really good stuff my friend when you get a chance check this out let me know what you think about my uh my presumption on Azumi now having the main event it level cool factor. Um, four and a quarter stars. We go to one of my favorite styles of matches. UWF rules match, shoot style match with Mirai versus Shuri. 
Um, really good way to start this match with the leg kicks uh, to kind of almost like keep the distance, test the uh, the timing between the two. Mina is very, very good at striking. Uh, Jesse from uh, Club Venus, when we interviewed her, did put over Mina can throw some hands. We know Mina's kicks have gotten far more improving in the last you know year, year and a half. But uh, obviously, Shuri's on a completely another level here. Where she isolates Mina in this is her grappling. I'm a big fan of somebody that can grapple real well, whether it's worked or shoot style. Whether Shuri's able to, you know, grind her opponent down with certain grappling and knowing where to grab somebody to take them down and then to transition to another submission is absolutely fantastic. I mean, that takes thousands upon thousands of hours to perfect. Again, I don't care if it's a worked or a shoot style for the way that Sherry's able to do it. And it was clear on point in this match and any of the uh, UWFI rules matches that she's had, like, you know, with Konami and whatnot, she does a great job pointing that out because it is a different match. Mina does a great job keeping Sherry isolated with kicks. And then almost to the point where Mina is baiting Sherry in to keep throwing those kicks. Eventually she's going to grab a kick into the dragon screw leg whip into the figure four, which I thought was really, really good. Um, And then at that point, when uh, Mina finally has the advantage on Sherry by going to the leg, Mina's are pouring on uh, the head kicks, the uh, the back and forth uh, forearms into the spinning back fist. But ultimately, uh, it's just Sherry just gets crazy violent. She hits a head kick that basically drops Mina down to her knees and then just hits a buzzsaw kick where the referee's like, okay, I've seen enough. They call for the bell. Great match, especially if you like shoot-style matches. Uh, this one for me was four stars. Now, Rob, did you by chance see or be spoiled about the post-match angle after this match. I did not. Please, please elaborate. Oh. Sure. So after the match, Sherry leaves. She puts Mina over, shakes her hand, gives Mina the ring, which is ultimate respect. Um, and then uh, they show the, the, the stadium, or the place goes black. They show a promo that Mina's doing, and I don't know what Mina's saying because it's not in subtitles, and I don't speak Japanese, but she's basically almost like cutting a promo, like a pre-match promo. She's stretching. She's on the ground. And on the side of the where she is behind her is a door that's cracked open that they keep panning to where you keep seeing these uh, creatures in masks, Halloween-style masks that are, that are looking at Mina. And Mina's just like, she's talking to the camera person. They're talking back and forth. And they're trying to tell Mina that somebody is in that room. And every time she looks back there, she can't see anybody back there. She goes back cutting the promo. This happens two or three times. Eventually, it is revealed on the screen that these masked wrestlers are none other than Zap and Dump Matsumoto, and they're building towards a match at the Halloween show on the 28th of October. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a one-on-one match with Mina versus uh, 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 Dump Matsumoto, or if it's going to be a tag match with maybe her and Waka versus Dump and Zap. So very interesting that they're bringing uh, Dump Matsumoto back after the uh, basically her just using the cane for about seven minutes in that Legends match. So, but uh, if we just see Mina and Dump Matsumoto just standing in the middle of the ring trading uh, strikes, I'm pretty interested. I'm kind of intrigued on that one, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's certainly something interesting. I don't think they're doing anything huge for the uh, for the Halloween show. Though it would make sense with all the uh, all the clowns making an appearance at uh, Corrigan for that to uh, to sort of resolve itself at the Halloween show. But I don't think it's going to be a major level pay per view. I wonder if they're going to do something like the Midsummer Fairs show, um, where they have a couple of like um, novelty matches maybe um maybe that is where we get our uh, our second beauty salon zest match matt 
I think we were saving that for the Tokyo Dome, though. But I know they mentioned that they're now. I think once once New Japan realizes they're not going to sell sixty thousand tickets to the Tokyo Dome, I think it's like, all right, we got to pull up the big guns. You know, like break you know break glass in case of emergency. Beauty Zalon's uh, zest hair match. I think that's how you get fifty, sixty thousand people in the Tokyo Dome. I digress. Rather, the next match was the Artist of Stardom Championship match. You know, we already talked about it. Uh, way too short. But I understand the main thing was to put over the angle. They did a great job of having Megan Bain look like a badass here. And then a great job of Tekla not backing down from Megan Bain. She's like, I'm just going to keep bringing it and keep bringing it and keep bringing it. I really like that. I had it at uh, three and a half stars. Again, I could have won another minute or two, but I get it. The, the whole thing was the post-match angle. Match number five, the best match of the show. Wonder of Stardom Championship match. Rob, we did a uh, Patreon episode of our top five favorite Wonder of Stardom Championship matches. Uh, this didn't break the top five, but if we did the top 10 or top 15, I would really have to consider it. That, that's how good this match was. I mean, this is just prime Momo Watanabe. You know, we made mention the past couple of weeks that she's really finding her footing and how to be a really good heel, really good working heel with the Ueto Tai gimmick and still being Momo Watanabe from 2018 to 2020. Um, or truth, yeah, 2020 as being one of the best wrestlers in the world. And she really was able to kind of cement that in pretty much every single match. She had the five star and this was no different as good as their match was on night one of the five star Grand Prix. This match was just was better. And, you know, it's, it's a championship match. You're getting more time. It's, it's, it, that match didn't get lost in the shuffle with all how, how pretty much main event top heavy night. One of the five star was, as this was great, uh, the two of them start out with some really good chain wrestling. Mirai gets the advantage. Mirai goes to do a baseball slide onto Momo Watanabe on the outside. And Momo Watanabe does her best Philly impersonation when she takes the apron and traps Mirai in the apron. Uh, all 84,000 members of Oedotai blind the ref, letting Momo Watanabe hit Mirai with a baseball bat shot. that it sounded like a gunshot went off in the building. I mean, this thing was just brutal. And then uh, Momo Watanabe, I mean, she's part of what group, Rob? Oedotai. And you know what Oedotai's got to do. Oedotai, Matthew, have got to Oedotai. <laughs> so we get the uh, we get a little bit of a brawl. However, then we get some lace, really good lace psychology. And I know you're a huge fan of limb work, so this is where it really going to perk up for you. Momo gets a chair, but not one of those folding chairs, like one of the ones you can't fold. And she puts it on Mariah's arm, and she sits down. And it's on the arm that Mariah, it's her left arm that she's got all taped up that you know she is going to use to throw these lariats. And uh, so we get arm work, we get kicks, we get strikes back and forth, some really good stuff here. There's an awesome spot where Mariah is just fighting through the pain. We've seen this before, you know, in uh, her previous uh, championship matches and her previous, like, you know, the, the, the bigger matches that she's had where she's just, you know, fighting through the pain because that how much, that's how much the wonder of starting championship uh, means to her. She's really working Momo over. She goes for the Miramirai shock. And as she goes to like planter, Momo is able to basically spring up and hit the Samato coming off the uh, Miramirai shock. We've seen her do it with Utami on the BT bomb. We've seen her just be able to counter these really big moves into the Samato, almost like out of nowhere. And she does it here, here just effortlessly. It's really good. Momo then just starts crushing Mirai with these brutal leg kicks, but Mirai just... Fighting spirit fights back what you want in your underdog beaten down baby face that in a championship match. I mean, just really great psychology, really back and forth with uh, with the with the kicks and the forearms. Mariah just towards the end, just fights through the pain, hits a brutal lariat. And then the ace is high in a Momo for two. 
Um, Mariah goes for the uh, basically the San Hansen esque lariat. Like she's coming, she comes off the ropes with all of her might going to hit this lariat. Momo ducks, hits the tequila sunrise, peach sunrise combination for two. Um, as soon as Mariah is able to get up, she gets crushed with a violent head kick from Momo, and then uh, she goes for the peach thunder. However, Mariah, at the very last second, I mean, they held this peach thunder for so long, even to the point where it looked like Mariah was starting to duck her head to take the bump. And I'm like, are they going to change the belt here? They held this peach sunrise on at the perfect time. Um, Mariah's able to escape. She hits a Rainmaker Lariat and then another brutal violent Lariat. Two insane Lariats, stiff Lariats, back-to-back for the three count. Uh, again, buddy, this is absolute must-see. Definitely go and watch this match. I mentioned yesterday when we were talking that you definitely need to see this match. This is one of one of my favorite Mariah matches ever. Maybe outside of the Sai Kamatani white belt match from uh, spring of last, I think it was Flash of Champions last year. Maybe my favorite Mariah match um, outside of that one. Just so good. Four and a half stars. And it's and I love to see main event, you know, work rate Momo Watanabe, you know, just back in full swing. Um, the six-person match, my friend. You mentioned that Kyrie didn't put anybody over. What do I always say? It's not who goes over, it's who gets over. Because um, nobody told Hazuki this was Kyrie's last match because she <laughs> didn't give a damn to the point. This was the second best match on the show. I mean, they gave this time. Kyrie was the MVP of this match. She was in this match so much. She didn't dog it at all. I think she realized that once she goes to WWE, she's going to have four or five minute matches on uh, Raw and SmackDown, and she's going to get her time in here. And she got it. She had great tag stuff with Nanai. Obviously, is them seven Kyrie. They have great tag stuff. Her and Mayu is part of Freedom. They did their Freedom stuff. There was some really good six person uh, teamwork between Kyrie, Nanai, and Mayu. And then she gave a lot to Saida, a lot to Koguma, and Huzuki literally beat her so bad. So bad that Kyrie's lipstick and makeup were like smudged all over her face. I was like, what is that from? And then I kind of went back and watched. I'm like, it's just Hazuki just being Hazuki. It's why we love her. Why we love her. It was like, oh my God, the fact that, and I I, I know we can get into the whole Kyrie mismatch that we never got to see, you know, the a rematch with Saya, a rematch with Utami. We didn't get a singles match with Julia. I know like that's the money match. If you can do one more singles match, everybody wanted to see Julia versus Kyrie. Man, I tell you what, after this, no disrespect to Julia. I love Julia. Man, I want Hazuki versus Kyrie because they beat the dog out of each other. It's again, Hazuki beat up Kyrie so bad that her makeup was like all oh, she almost looked like the you know, she almost looked like she was gonna join a faction of Fukin Death with all that makeup all over. <laughs> Anywho, I digress. Kyrie was great here. Everybody was great here. Saida was terrific. There was a lot of really cool uh, back and forth stuff with Kagama and Kyrie, even to the point where Kyrie is holding um or excuse me, Mayu goes for a super kick on a Kagama, and uh, she accidentally hits Kyrie. Kagama rolls up Kyrie right into the middle of the ring on the Kuma roll, and the camera only has the pin. So it's like, oh man, they're going to put Kagama over Kyrie here? Like, I bit so hard on the falsy because the camera was only focused on them, but then eventually Mayu is able to break up the pinfall. There's a spot in this match where Nanai hits a double superplex. She superplexes both Saida and uh, Hazuki at the same time, which I thought was super impressive. Um, this was a great match. I'm so glad it got the time that it did. You told out so many stories, it flushed out so many things, and everybody got over this match. You know, my my, you look, there's nobody that took a, a step off. 
but even Kyrie in her final match, she put the most work in the ring. She was the MVP of this match. But again, you know how much I love Hazuki. Just watching Hazuki just basically just destroy everybody in this match. Even with Mayu was like, yeah, I know you're part of the stars, but guess what? You're on the opposite end, so I'm going to kick your ass. Really great match. Definitely go out of your way to see this one. I had this one at four and a half stars as well. So I like the Mariah Momo match just a little bit better. Uh, Tam and Natsuko Tora, I thought I'll get the one negative thing out of the way. I thought maybe went a little bit too long, um, a little bit past 20 minutes. I don't think it's a sweet spot for Tora. Tam, maybe if she's in there with like a Shuri, with uh, Sayakamitani, uh, Utami, or Julia, we know she can have that really good 20-minute match. I thought maybe dragged on a little bit too long. Really great dominance from Tora in this match. Tam tries the blitz Tora early on with the kicks and the violent shooting. She goes for an early dive. Tora cuts her off and then slams her off the top uh, onto the apron. So we had some big bumps early. Uh, they did a really good job teasing that they were going to change the belt with uh, Tora doing the mist. Um, and then the uh, the DVD in the end of the Swanton. And then she tried for another DVD. Tam is able to get out. It's a perfect Tiger suplex. She Tam is still on the defensive because she's getting blitzed with the whole she got blitzed with a whole bunch of moves. Tor tries to come back with the Lariat. And probably for the first time in a Tam match, Tam uses the violent screwdriver almost as a defensive move. Because again, she's still on the cell, but Tor tries to hit that big axe bomber. Uh Tam grabs her arm, she rolls through, hits the violent screwdriver, and then there's no pinfall. She just needs to kind of get away to get a breather from the blitzing offense. They kind of go back and forth for a little bit. Tam hits a whole bunch of violent shooting, some violent kicks, and then she's struggling to get Tora up into this violent screwdriver. And you can just see it's just a timing issue, a fatigue issue, maybe a little bit of both. She finally gets her up for the violent screwdriver and realizes, uh, Rob, she loses her halfway. And Tam does really the only thing she can do to save Tora's neck, and that's by putting her knees out. Because if not, poor Tora would have hit, you know, full force without Tam guiding her because she loses her. She would have landed right on her neck. And I, I don't even want to even speculate what would have happened. So Tam does the only thing that she really can do. She just puts her two knees out and Tora's head hits Tam's knees on the way down of this violent screwdriver that just got mistimed. Uh, you know, I was worried about Tora's neck. I was worried about Tam's knees due to the, all the injuries that's been happening in stardom. You don't want to see anything bad happen. You saw Tora is able to get up. Uh, she was okay, and then eventually they do the post-match promo with uh, Tam and Suzu Suzuki. So, um, and then that was a few days ago. Nothing was reported that nobody got injured. Thank God. But the, yeah, pretty good match. I had it four and a quarter stars. They could have shaved off three or four minutes, but uh, yeah, that uh, credit to Tam uh, to to um, you know after they were just mistimed on that, which is a scary move to begin with on that violent screwdriver. Her just to kind of just get her knees out to save Tora's neck. So. All in all, great show. Um, definitely watch the six-person uh, match, the final Kyrie match, and definitely, definitely watch Mirai versus Mama Watanabe. I must admit, when I saw that Tam had pinned Tora with the violent screwdriver, I was like, oh my god, that, that's incredible core strength. Um, the first the first one was clean. Yeah. The first one was, because when she had her up, I was like, ooh, the first one was clean. I'm like, okay, she's going to either pin her with something else. And when she get her out for the second one, you could tell she was struggling. I'm like, okay, this is the finish. You, and, and it makes sense. They built Tor up as this monster at the five-star. The fact that it's going to take Tam's nuclear finish twice to beat Tora just gets Tora over. But, like, the first one was clean. The second one, I don't know if, if that's all Tam had left in the reserves or was just mistiming and trying to get up. But it was, yeah, brother, it was ugly. But, the, again, I would rather have an ugly finish than have somebody get get hurt. And again, the match was good a minute or two too long, in my opinion. 
yeah, fair enough. I think I think that's a fair criticism. Um, I th- Tam for me, Tam has always worked. Seventeen minutes is Tam's sweet spot. I feel, um, you know, fantastic short sprint matches that you can get emotionally invested in. Um, but you know, twenty minutes is by the by. Um, the whole point again, nobody really thought that Tora was going over here. Um, but if you are basically trying to re-establish her as a dominant heel. I feel like they did that during this match, even if she did, didn't come out as the victor. Ultimately, we now have someone that can that can play the heel foil at the top of the card when required, which is which is all we need, really, from the leader in Oeratai, certainly. Um, so, talking about um, sort of Ryogoku and all the pay-per-views coming up, um, sort of a rundown of what we've got left. Um, so the 15th of October, which is Sunday as we record, um, that is the Tag League opening night. That's at Ota Ward City Gym. Uh, the 29th of October at Takikawa Stage Garden is the Halloween show, uh, Stardom Dark Knight. Um, on the 12th of November is the Tag League final. That's going to be in Nagawoka. Um, on the 18th of November in Edian Arena, Osaka, that is Gold Rush, which we know will be main evented by Tam versus Suzu Suzuki. The second, uh, sorry, the... Or is that going to be an Aichi? That might be an Aichi on the 2nd of December. No, no, it's in November. We've then got a show in Aichi on the 2nd of December. And then, of course, the Ryogoku show, Dream Queendom, is going to be happening on the 29th of December. So we've still got a fair load of shows to come. But first of all, obviously, is the Goddess of Storm Tag League, which, as I mentioned before, is going to be starting out towards City Gym. And it's going to be starting on the 15th of October. There is literally no rest for the Stardom roster. But as I mentioned at the head of the show, we are going to be having blue block versus blue block and red block versus red block, which is going to make significantly more sense. Um the opening night has been announced. There is going to be some undercard matches. Uh, but in terms of the tag league itself, these are your matches. So in the blue goddess block, we've got Mirai and Mei Sakurai versus Tam Nakano and Yuna Mizumori. Um, Micah and Megan Bain taking on Amisori and Lady C. And then Mayu Iwitani and Hanan versus Hazuki and Kogama FWC. That is a match you need to keep an eye on, certainly. Um, in red block, we've got Mina Shirakawa and Waka Sukiyama taking on Saya Ida and Hanako. Um, Suri and Saki Kashima taking on Natsukatora and Momo Watanabe. And then we've also got Suzu Suzuki and Meisera taking on Suzu's former prominent stablemates, Risa Sarah and Harumi, uh, sorry, Karumi Hiragi. Um, and then in a special singles match, obviously, as we mentioned before, Julia versus Mashiko. Um, Matt, obviously, some really tasty matchups there, most notably Mayu and Hanan versus FWC, um, and Suzu Suzuki and Meisera versus Risa Seira and Karumi Hiragi. We sort of alluded to it a little bit earlier on, 
who are your favourites to reach the final and who is your favourite to win? I've sort of already shown my hand. Um, I do think it's going to be a Mafia Bella and a Micah and Megan Bain final with Micah and Megan Bain going over. That's my prediction. What about you? My prediction, I'm going to go long-winded here. I'm going to go the last two teams to be qualified going into the finals. Blue block is going to be Megan Bain and uh, Micah and FWC. And red block, it's going to be the prominence team of Risa Sarah and Karumi Haragi and Suzu Suzuki and Risa Sarah. That being said, my finals are going to be Suzu Suzuki and May Sarah versus Micah and Megan Bain. Nice. And Mike and Megan Bain are my are my picks to win. Now, if that if Suzu does reach the final, that'll be three tournaments this year that she's reached the final. She's won the uh, Triangle Derby final. She won the five star, and then uh, I even if she doesn't make the final, I have a feeling that that team is going to absolutely steal the show this entire tournament, considering the fact of how great their chemistry is, and I think that they will have a legit shot. Uh, going into the final night. So, um, much I love Saida, not her. Mina, you know, uh, Waka's eating a lot of falls. Shiri's fantastic, but you know, Saki Cash was eating a lot of falls. Momo and Ruwaka built up really well, but we're going to get a lot of DQs there. I firmly think that Red Block's going to be a shootout between Mafia Bella, the Prominence team, and Suzu and Maysair. I think you're probably right, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I don't sure? hear that often. No, well, we've both, <laughs> we've both predicted Micah and Megan Bain to win. So in the middle of November, when Suri and Saki Kashima have walked out as the winners, um, you know, everyone can say you shouldn't have predicted that they were going to win because everything you predict, Stardomcast, is wrong. And they are correct in that. Um, we haven't actually... That's You mentioned the, um, the Triangle Derby. There's been nothing to say that that's going to happen because it started literally the 3rd of january it was literally right after the corican uh, the sumo hall show i'm assuming at gold rush they're going to announce it because there's not a lot of time there's only two months before that tournament starts crazy um and again hopefully they just do block versus block um sorry block versus their own block again because that was that was one of my main uh one of my main issues with the uh, with the triangle derby. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to an end. Now, I wanted to end with uh, a couple of numbers, which is you know great podcasting. You know, everyone loves. Rob, it. Rob, I don't, I don't mean to cut you out. <gasps> you got it again. Oh yes. my god, can I, get, I did. Can I, can I do it? We are first. Before I go into maths, we're going to go into our ear watch. Matt, take it away. Absolutely, sir. And I always remind it because I always forget to because it's you know obviously this is it's not stardom matches. But Io Shirai, uh, now known as Io Sky, I always refer to Io Shirai is the queen of stardom, in my opinion, the greatest female wrestler of all time. So we are going to keep an eye on what our genius of the sky, the founder of Queen's Quest, the one of the three daughters of stardom, is doing now. Last week was a very quick one because she didn't do anything. She was kind of hanging out with Bailey at ringside, and that was it. But they doubled up on the EO watch this week, good sir. On SmackDown on Friday the 7th, we had a tag match with Charlotte Flair and Oscar taking on the team of Bailey and the WWE 
women's world champion one Io Shirai. Um, Io and Charlotte get off to a really fast pace, some, almost like some like high speed style action, which I thought was really good. Charlotte eventually uses her strength and size to kind of break Io down. We get some communication breakdown between Io and Bailey, which is kind of what they're going for here. Here, I think eventually they're going to turn Io face because everybody just chants for Io in all these matches. So very much like her uh, heel run in stardom, when, not like she was wrestling Mayu. Everybody was chanting for EO. Um, we get some really good back and forth uh, action on Asuka. They get some heat on Asuka. Asuka's able to fire back some strikes. We get a hot tag into Charlotte Flair. Charlotte comes in. She hits her signature offense, you know, the big boot, the uh, the clotheslines, the, uh, the spear. Some good stuff there. But then eventually we do see some uh, miscommunication with Asuka and Charlotte Flair. Makes sense. The next day, they're in that three-way with EO for the WWE Women's Championship. Theo hits a uh, meteora to uh, to Flair um, and then dodges. Uh, but then when she does, she eats a big boot from Asuka. And then Asuka takes Bailey down. She goes for to uh, Bailey goes for the excuse me. Bailey goes for the figure four on Charlotte. A little taste of her own medicine. But when Charlotte pushes Bailey off, Bailey rams right into Eo, taking Eo out for the match. Charlotte hits the natural selection for the three count. Good match. Got uh, some decent amount of time. Three and a half stars. Ultimately, what it was to do is to further along the Bailey storyline with her and EO not getting along all the way and to put EO's championship in jeopardy at Fastlane. Rob Goodwin, the very next night, we go to Fastlane, and this is an absolutely fantastic match. You're a fan of these three women, which I know that you are, good sir. Definitely watch this match. I will point out that did look like Charlotte Flair was about half a step off in this match, and that's not a detriment to her. It just goes to show you how fast and how good and how crisp Asuka and EO are because these two really put on a show. Considering Charlotte is the most pushed, you know, women's wrestler of all time for WWE, and rightfully so. She moves merchandise. She's great in the ring. She does a great job getting her opponents up. But the fact that, like, EO and Asuka just kind of almost, like, not intentionally, like, they kind of outwork her. Charlotte just seemed like she was just kind of, a half a step off because EO and Oscar working so fast. Eventually they do wind up getting their timing down. Um, uh, so what happens is uh, Flair eats the mist like two seconds in the match. She goes to the outside to get attended on and basically turns into a one-on-one match with EO and Oscar, which is absolutely fantastic. EO throws these really, really good arm drags at Oscar, but you're throwing, you're giving somebody like Oscar your arm one too many times. Eventually Oscar takes it. Um, she hits the Joshi dropkick onto EO. Um, they wind up going back and forth with some high speed style near falls back and forth for two. Eventually Charlotte Flair says enough of this comes in big boots. Everybody chops, everybody. Um, EO comes in. EO must've been watching her best of Azumi, my friend, because not only was she doing these fast paced pinfalls, but in order for her to get the advantage back, she does the La Mystica, but instead of completely ripping EO or Azumi off, she does the La Mystica into the crossface, which I thought was really cool. Um, EO hits the patented springboard dropkick to Asuka. Asuka comes back off, uh, comes back in the match with her strikes. She actually hits a top rope German suplex onto Io Shirai, which I thought was good. Uh, Io hits a moonsault to the outside, and then Charlotte Flair hits her patented moonsault off the turnbuckle to the outside. So really cool seeing Io do the uh, Asai moonsault, and then Charlotte doing the bigger moonsault coming off the post, which I thought was uh, I thought was really cool. Um, eventually, Charlotte, though, is she uh, takes a back seat. She's hit with strikes. She goes to the outside. Asuka and Io kind of have their match again. Asuka goes to whip Io into the ropes, but instead of taking the ropes, she just decides... 
I'm just going to do a dive. And she does off the Irish whip right onto Charlotte. Like you didn't even see it coming. It was so fast. Like, geez, like these are, these, these girls are so good. You know, again, especially EO, they did a great job highlighting her in this match. They do the tower of doom spot, which was really, really cool because you had EO and Charlotte fighting on the top rope. Didn't know which way it was going to go. Eventually Oscar comes in and dumps everybody over. I thought that was great. Oscar comes in and uh, is able to neutralize Charlotte Flair with the arm bar. Charlotte Flair is able to escape the armbar into the figure four onto Asuka. This spot was really cool. So she's in the figure four. You've seen Charlotte Flair. You know she likes to bridge up in the figure eight. She gets halfway up on the bridge in the figure eight, and all of a sudden you see EO come out of nowhere with the Meteor, uh, you know, or the Samada, whatever you want to call it, and just completely wipes out Charlotte Flair. Like, you didn't even see it. It was great camera work. Uh, she gets a near two count there, so that was really cool. Um Eventually, there is a double submission with EO across face and Charlotte with a uh, Boston Crab onto Charlotte Flair. Charlotte's able to get out. Uh, she hits a big spear onto EO and Asuka. Bailey, who was told by EO on the pre-show, don't come to the ring because every time you come to the ring, you mess everything up for me. So Bailey comes to the ring. Everybody in the crowd thinks Bailey's going to cost EO the championship. Uh, so Bailey's is kind of there. EO's telling her to get out, distracting her, uh, you know, letting... Uh, um, basically Charlotte get up. So Charlotte hits EO with a big boot. She falls off the apron onto Bailey. So now you have this, you're thinking, okay, now it's going to come down because we're about like 17 minutes in this match. So to come down to Charlotte and Asuka, EO's going to lose the belt without her even being pinned or submitted because of Bailey distracted uh, EO. They go back and forth. Asuka goes for the Oscar lock. Charlotte does a great job rotating on the Oscar lock. Puts the figure four in. Locks in the figure eight. And then about a minute into the submission, out of nowhere. Or no, I'm sorry. So Bailey then distracts the referee. Asuka's tapping. Obviously, the ref doesn't see it because uh, the ref is blinded by uh, Bailey's interference. Eo comes off the top rope and absolutely crushes Charlotte Flair as she's in perfect bridge with the uh, beautiful moonsault, which is just crazy to consider the fact that if you're, if Eo's off just a little bit to the left, she's probably going to land on Charlotte's neck as she's doing the moonsault, but uh, absolutely perfect. Hits the moonsault for a three count. Excellent match. I forgot to time it, but I think it got like 17, 18 minutes, which is a, a really good runtime for these three. Four and a quarter stars, definitely another match that you need to see. And that's just another banger that EO's been putting on as WWE Women's Champion. She had that match with Asuka about two or three weeks ago on SmackDown that got about 20 minutes. And this one was right there as well. Excellent, excellent stuff. And considering the fact that she pinned Charlotte Flair in the middle of the ring. And I think that's what she did in the three-way with her and Rhea Ripley at uh, In Your House for the NXT Championship. I think she pinned Charlotte. I could be wrong, but I know Charlotte was in that match with Rio. So they're doing a really good job getting EO over, and they're having her let her speak a little bit more of these backstage promos to let, you know, the uh, English translate over. You know, her English is getting, obviously, significant better. She's having better promos. She's getting a lot of time in that ring. And the fact that they're cheering her, considering the fact that she's supposed to be a heel, um, I think, you know, maybe it's just my bias because I'm the giant EO Shirai fan that I am. I think that uh, there's a lot of really cool things they can do with EO. But uh, yeah, my friend, when you get a chance, definitely. I didn't see anything else of Fastlane, but definitely go out of your way to see this match with EO, Charlotte, and Oscar. It was fantastic. I definitely will. And um, I'm glad that you interrupted me because I actually realized that we have actually got half a card announced for Halloween Dark Night on the 29th of October. Now, I don't know if you've seen this, Matt. 
I'm not. No, sir. What do we got? Right. So, <laughs> I think straight away you can tell that this is going to be a serious pay-per-view because we start with a zombie rumble. Um, so, uh, obviously, that's going to be won by Zombie Death, um, who I imagine is pretty much, you know, in tune with this entire pay-per-view. Um, we've got a regular tag team match, which is basically just a two-on-one match. Don Matsumoto and Zap versus Mina Shirakawa. Um, we've then got whoever was under the Halloween mask versus Mirai. It's just a singles match, so all of our worry about their titles doesn't matter. Um, and the same with Mayu. Mayu is going to be taking on um, Clown 1, 2, and 3 in a coffin four-way match. Um, and then also, and this is... I know, I know. Sorry. This, That's awesome. This, for me, is just Stardom and Showcase, just on the Halloween I was going to say, this sounds like Stardom and Showcase. Um, <laughs> but, and then we've just got a random goddess of Stardom Tag League match tagged on. And that that's the thing that irritates me. Um, Suri and Saki Kashima versus Risa Seira and uh, Karumi Hiragi. It's a great match, but it just seems, it's like, oh, we've also got this match on there. Why? <laughs> Why? Um, anyway, so that's the card we have announced so far. There apparently will be other matches, but at the moment, this is uh, this is all that is announced. So I just thought I'd uh, I'd sneak that in before I finish today's episode. I just wanted to say, guys, that July to September was our highest ever quarter in terms of downloads. Um, so thank you to everyone that is supporting the podcast, listening to the podcast, spreading the word about the podcast. We we really, really, really do appreciate every single one of you. Thank you so, so much. Um, it brings to an end our podcast. Um, not forever, just for this week. Um, <laughs> don't worry. We'll be back next week. The Halloween theme. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week to talk about the Goddess of Stardom Tag League opening night. Um, but in the meantime, thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, don't forget, you can check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can subscribe Anyway, follow us on social media at The Stardom Cast. Follow us on Patreon. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash The Stardom Cast. Leave us a five-star review and a comment if you think we've deserved it on the podcast platform of your choice. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at RealRobGoodwin. Matt Turner, where can they find you and sign us off? You can find me at the Javits Center this weekend in New York City. I will be the one yelling, bye, boy. Um, folks, if you want to get a hold of me, Matt Turner OF on the Instagram, the Twitter, the X, uh, and the TikTok as well. If you want to shoot me an email, that's perfectly fine. The Stardom, the stardom Cast 22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Folks, we cannot say thank you enough for the fantastic support. Like Rob said, this past quarter was just absolutely fantastic for us, and it seems like the podcast grows and grows every day. I just took, took a look at the uh, five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts, and it seems like it almost doubled in the last five or six weeks. So thank you so much. We really appreciate that. It helps get the algorithm out, which in return helps get out the fantastic word that is stardom that we all love so much. And uh, like I said, it's a team effort, folks, because like I always say, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all together. Everybody's different. Everybody's special. 